Uh, I've got a few announcements for us, so if you didn't get a bulletin, please raise your hand, and Rachel and Kaylee can put a bulletin in your hand. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't heard, this morning is family integrated, and what a joy it is to have all the little children with us. Uh, it's a great picture of God's church, uh, and, and what, a, what an opportunity. I was talking to my son Solomon here this morning, and he was like, Daddy, do I have to go to class today? And I said, no, son, you're going to be in with us, and you're going to hear Freddie preach. And he said, Yes! He was very excited. So I hope your children are excited as well. Uh, This is only the second time that we've done this, so we're still learning. Um, But if you didn't get one of these, uh, this is a little handout that they're they're available in the back. But this handout has some questions on it for the kiddos. And if they fill it out and maybe answer the the questions correctly, they can come see me after the gathering and uh, get a starburst. So... Uh, I'll be in the front here, kiddos, so feel free to fill that out. Uh, Parents, uh, particularly fathers, maybe you can help them fill that out, Uh, but it's a a joy to have the kiddos with us. So just a couple quick announcements. Uh, Many of you know that we've been uh, trying to raise some funds here this summer to do some upgrades to our church building. Today's actually the last day that that summer expense fund is going to be open. So if you would like to contribute to that, you can drop something in the offering boxes in the back or give online. Uh, We're a little more than halfway to our goal or halfway over our goal. So we'd love to to uh, reach that. So if the Lord puts it on your heart to give above what you normally give and worship the Lord with, uh, that would be great. So uh, also today after the gathering, there's going to be some folks gathering at Roland Moore Park. We're calling this uh, Mingle and Meal. Meal and Mingle. Yeah, that's right. And the idea is that uh, there's many people in different stages of life here in our church body. And the hope for lunches like this is to connect those people outside of life groups and across the different stages of life. So this is, this is a great opportunity. They're going to be at Roland Moore Park. Feel free to bring your own lunch and, and we'll gather there right after the gathering. So uh, lastly, we have uh, the Jackal send-off next Sunday. So many of you know that Max and Elise are going to Denver. Uh, we're, we're sad about that, uh, but we're excited for you guys, kind of. Um, no, it's been a long time coming. This is actually Max's last morning, I believe, playing the, the drums or percussion instrument. Um, and this family has served faithfully since the very beginning of the crossing. So next week, we're going to send them off. And uh, we'll have a lunch after the gathering, so uh, you guys are welcome to stay for that. And uh, maybe over the next week, you guys can write Max or Elise a little note of encouragement or share with them a word of encouragement as, uh, as they get sent off. So, um, Also, this morning, we have a real treat for you. Uh, one of my favorite people is here in the house, and he's going to bring us God's word. So, Freddie, if you want to come on up, buddy. Uh, Freddie is the pastor of the Mayoc Network in Czech Republic. Uh, 
Are you going to talk about this or you want me to? Okay. So Freddie put together this little handout of what the Lord is doing over in the Czech Republic. This, these are on the table in the foyer. And this is a great little resource. He, he uh, puts these together every time he comes in town. And it's a great reminder on how we can pray for the Lord's work in the Czech Republic. Uh, you guys have seven churches right now. And the potential for four more yes. church plants, which uh, it's absolutely amazing, the, the work that the Lord is doing. So it's a real privilege to have Freddie here this morning. He's going to talk to us about what it means to be a missionary. We're going to be in John chapter 20. So if you guys want to open up your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 20. Uh, we're going to take a little break from the Sermon on the Mount here this morning. Um, but I'm just going to take some time and, and pray for my brother here and our time together as we open up his words. So let's pray. Father in heaven, it's a joy to be with your people. Lord, thank you for the blessing that you've blessed us in Christ, and you've welcomed all of us into your family. And Lord, I pray just even as the kiddos are here, and uh, as they are going to sit underneath your word being proclaimed right now through your servant, Freddie, God, I ask just that you would do the supernatural work to draw them to yourself. Lord, as uh, parents plant seeds, as pastors and other church members come alongside those parents and, and water those seeds, God, we trust you for the growth. And Lord, we ask just that uh, at the proper time that you would set their hearts ablaze. And Lord, that this, these family-integrated gatherings would be a great uh, faithful endeavor to that end of them not only coming to faith, but worshiping you and wanting to live their lives as missionaries uh, here in the states and around the world. So thanks for this brother here this morning. Thanks for the work that you are doing through him and the churches over there in the Czech Republic. God, we ask just for your favor, uh, not just here this morning as he proclaims your word, but as your word is going forth around the world here today on the Lord's day. So please uh, be honored through our time here this morning. And Lord, would you humble ourselves? Would you put away distractions? And would you allow us to really hear from uh, your word through your servant, Freddie? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. I didn't know that this is just the second time, so I guess this is like an experiment, right? <laughs> so it's good to be experimented on. <clears throat> uh, there are, I, I think in, in, in my understanding, there are two topics in the church that when you start talking about will cause a constant and instant feeling of guilt in people. So the first one is prayer, right? So if I ask you, do you pray enough? You will probably start feeling guilty. I don't even have to say anything. You just will start feeling guilty. And the other one is, uh, is the topic we're talking about today. It's, it's about how to share the gospel. If we start talking about it in church, people always feel guilty because we somehow feel like we're not doing enough. We should be doing more. There should be something else uh, we should be doing. But uh, I want to start by saying I don't want you to leave feeling guilty today. I think we use feeling of guilt in the church way too much to motivate people, and I don't think that's good. So I hope what you will hear today will be encouragement uh, for you, and that you will, you will leave today, and you will feel like God is doing something in your life, uh, and you're part of His mission in this world. So the question today uh, that I want to start with is, uh, I, <laughs> 
I will not start with. Can you uh, click the next slide, please? Uh, so the, the, the question I want to start with is, who's, who is the missionary? If, if we say missionary, what comes up to your mind? And I think most of, pe- most of the people, and most of us, including me, the first idea that comes to my mind is that we take somebody and we send him far away. So, like, Rich, where's Rich? Over there. So you, don't, you stop liking Rich here, right? Or he has too many kids or something. So you say, Rich, why don't you go and be a missionary in Africa or somewhere? So you send him away. And he's going there and he's going to be a missionary there to these foreign people somewhere else, right? And I think that's, that's, a, that's a most common understanding of what a missionary is. It's, it's somebody that is somewhere else in foreign country uh, where there are no Christians and he goes there and he shares the, he shares the gospel. Um, and I would like to question that. I would like to say that might not be the right idea today. It might be part of what it is, but it might not be the whole thing. So is it right that there are missionaries who are far away and that the rest of us, this doesn't concern us at all, this idea of missionary? Is it right, as somebody said, that there, is, there are only those who go and those who pay? Are you the ones that pay and... There are the others who go. So what about the rest of us? And I think this is, a, there, there is, one, this is one of the misconceptions about this idea of missionary or sharing the gospel. But there are more, idea, more wrong ideas uh, how we view sharing the gospel. And that might cause some of the feelings of guilt in us uh, often. So the other one is that sometimes we see sharing, be, sharing your gospel as sort of a special forces task. No, so we're here in the church, right? We're the church. We're here in, the, here in this building. It's nice. There's air conditioning here, which we don't have in check, but it's nice. It's safe. We all know each other. We're friends. And then once a month, once a year, once a week, we send this special task force out into the world. And they go out and they share the gospel or do something good there for the people out there. And then they come back, and, and again, we're here in the church, and it's nice, and, and we feel good. And I, I think that's, uh, that's another uh, kind of a misconception about uh, what does it mean to, to, be, to share the gospel with people or being a missionary. The other misconception, and I've heard this a lot, is, is people just say, it's not my gift. You know, I have different gifts. I have other gifts. Some people, you know, like to be with kids, so they teach Sunday school for kids. And some people like to share the gospel, so they go out and share the gospel. And I don't, I don't have this gift, so, um, so I do some, something else. But my question is, is it really a, a, a matter of gifting, this idea of being a missionary? Sometimes I hear people, and I don't even know how many times this happened to me, that uh, people come and bring their friends to church, and they go to me, and they say, Hey, this is my friend John, why don't you talk to him? about God, because you're the pastor. And I'm like, why can't you talk to, I mean, what's the difference? Like, do I, am I somehow better than you are? But people think that if we're pastors, we somehow have something special that the rest of the people don't have. But what if it, it's not like that? And the last one I, I hear often is, is this idea that God is saving people, right? So why, why try hard? I was just recently meeting with a, a small church 
that has been, has been running for about 20 years, and it's a, it's a Czech small, so it's like 25 people. It's not American small, right? Like 150 people. It's a Czech small. So, and I was talking with, with the pastor and his wife, and um, they were asking me all these things about what we do in, in our network to reach new people, and so I was telling him all these things we do, and, and then in the end, he told me like, but why do you try so hard? Isn't it, isn't it God who saves people? And I understood why he said it, because they've been trying for, you know, 20 years, and it didn't really work. And so he was questioning this, this idea. It's like, should we try? Isn't it that we should just wait and pray and see what God will do? And I think we agree that it is God who saves people, right? But does it mean that, that we shouldn't try, we shouldn't put in an effort? And I don't know where you stand if we say missionary, if we say sharing the gospel with people, but I think everybody in this church, and I hope so, everybody, uh, in most churches, everybody will agree that it has to be done. We should somehow share the gospel. Usually it should be done somebody else than me, but it should be done. And we will agree on that. So the next question, I think, for us is, is who should do it? Is it really a, a task for some special people? You know, is it like, I, I understand finances, so I'll be the treasurer of the church. I like college students, so I'll be doing college ministry. I like to share the gospel with people, so I'll be the, the, the guy that shares the gospel. Is it just for some special people? So I don't like sports. I'm, I'm telling you, I think this will be weird here because Aaron, <laughs> that's sports, right? That's the word. <laughs> So I don't like that. I don't like sports. I think it's boring. <laughs> in Europe, it's, it's soccer and hockey, right? Those are the sports. Uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> right? I don't think I ever watched sports on TV. Like that I would sit down on my own and just, uh, I'm going to watch a soccer f- match right now. You know, I've never done that in my life. I don't understand why people do it. It doesn't make any sense. But this weird thing happened to me once. I was sitting with a couple of friends in this sports bar. And it happened to be, uh, there was some sort of match. I don't even know. It was, it was soccer. I remember that. But it was Czech national team playing against somebody. I have no idea who that was. And so we were sitting there. We're talking. And after a while, I, I ended up kind of being drawn into the game with the other guys. And we didn't come to watch. The, we just came to, you know, hang out. So I ended up being drawn into the game, and after a while, I realized I am cheering. I didn't know I can do that. It was weird, right? I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm looking at, at, the, at the soccer, and I'm cheering for our team. That's what you're supposed to do that. But I didn't know I can do that. But it was interesting, because I'm sitting there in the pub. I'm feeling like I am part of something bigger. I'm feeling like somehow I contribute to this thing that is happening somewhere in, in the other part of the world that I can see on the screen because I'm sitting there and cheering for our team. And I think a lot of times this is what we feel like in church when we say we need to share the gospel, right? Because I bet you as a church do something to share the gospel with people. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you do it. But you as a church do it. And so often we feel like those guys that are sitting in a pub and, and staring at the screen and somehow we feel like we're a part of it. 
even though we are sitting in a pub and are not doing anything. But we feel like, I'm part of this. So, you know, maybe every other year you send a team into Czech Republic to be with us and help us. Uh, and you know about it, you prayed about it, you maybe put in some money towards that, and you feel like you're a part of it. And that's good, and I'm, I'm glad you do that. But is that all? Is that all that, that you do in your life? Is it enough? The story of the missionary in the Bible started, starts at the very beginning of the Bible. So the, the Bible starts with God who creates everything and everything is perfect, right? Everything is as it's, as it's supposed to be and that's a great thing. You know, man and a woman lives in harmony and, and in peace with one another, with nature and with God. And we all long to come back to that. And then something changed, something happened. We, we decided that we don't need God anymore. We don't want God. We can be our own gods. We are better off without Him. We can do our own thing. And as that happened, if we read through the first chapters in Genesis, everything goes sideways, right? Right after this decision, we, we see that, that one of the sons kills his brother, and that's just the beginning of, of what is happening in, in Genesis And it's just the beginning of, of things going really bad in the world. And then we, we read the story of Old Testament and, 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 and we see God who is slowly revealing the plan how to, how, to, how to fix things, how to bring it back. God that will send His Son to bring man back to Himself. God who will pay the debt that we had made so that we can come back to God. We are unable to pay this debt on our own. And so from the very beginning of the Bible, we see this mission of God. We see God who is on mission to save men. And when Jesus finally comes to, to this world, in the Gospel of John alone, when he talks about himself, he's saying that he is the send one. 42 times in Gospel of John, he's referring to himself as the send one. And that word send is a key word for us today. Can we click the next one? It's, it's, the word send in Latin is a word missio, and that means to be a send one. So the word missionary that we have is actually means the send one. And so Jesus is saying in the Gospel of John, that I am the first send one. I am the first missionary. I am the missionary of God that is coming to the world. And he came for us. He came to save us. And as Jesus fulfilled his mission, he died and rose again. Then he's saying what we are going to be reading today from the Gospel of John uh, in, in chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said these things, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And that is exactly what the first church started to do, right? They went out to the world and were talking about Jesus. Because they understood that Jesus was sent to save them. And now Jesus sent them to go and tell others about him. As Jesus was a missionary, he said, now you are my missionaries in this world. You are the send ones into this world. 
to tell people about forgiveness. And he says, you know, they, ha- they, they carry a great responsibility and a power of forgiveness to people in the world. So it is not just for some special people. It, it doesn't say just some special people are the send ones, are the missionaries. It is for everybody. It is something that we, we all as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, you are send one, you are the missionary that is sent by Jesus into this world. It is not something we do as a church on some occasions. It is not something some special people do in Europe and Africa. It is something we all do. We all do with our neighbors, our families, our co-workers, our friends. And of course, some people will go to Europe and some people will go to Africa and some people will go to other parts of the world. But some people will just go across the street. And that's enough. So I tried to put this whole thing into one idea today that if you can remember, it would be great. So as Jesus was sent to us, we are sent to help people get back to God. That is the idea of us being missionaries. So the next question then is, what does it look like to be the sent one? And I think this is the moment when you should start feeling guilty. All right? Uh, but the question is, why do we feel guilty when we talk about this? And I think the reason is that, that we, read the bo- we read books, we hear sermons, we hear stories of other people sharing the gospel in a very specific situations. And we think it should look th- the same way in our lives. But each one of us lives in the different situations and it will look differently. And that's why we feel guilty because somebody comes up and tells the story how we shared the gospel with his coworker, and you go like, I've never shared my, I never shared the gospel with a coworker. I should do that. I'm not doing it. I'm a bad Christian. Some time ago, I was invited to speak at, at the conference and the, the theme, they, the topic they gave me was how to create a missional culture in church. And so I was, I was talking about this, uh, how we do it at our network. Um, how, do we, uh, how do we see ourselves as missionaries and how do we help people to see themselves as missionaries and w- what does it mean? And uh, the interesting thing was that after, the, after I give my presentation, there was a Q&A time, right? And during the Q&A, someone, he wasn't really asking a question that was funny, but that happens at conferences, and uh, he just wanted to add something. So he stood up and he said, It is great that in your church, everybody can do this. They can meet people on the street. They can tell them their testimony. They can share the gospel. They can start reading Bible with them. And they can lead them in prayer to receive Jesus. And he sat down. And I told him, that's not what we do. And I looked at him and he was disappointed. And I felt guilty. And I was the speaker the reason why I felt guilty was, we don't do that. I've never, I've never met anybody who would go through this process on the street with a guy and he would become a Christian. I've never met anybody. It's usually a, a bigger, much longer process that takes, especially in our conditions, it takes sometimes years for people to become Christians. But he had a very clear idea. This is what it looks like. And I said, that's, that's not what it looks like for us. Uh, and that's where the guilt comes from in us. That we, we, you know, I tell you these things and you say, yeah, we should be doing that, but we are not. So there's something wrong with us. 
But what if it would look different in our lives than, you know, in this man's life? And I wanna, what I want to do now, I want to tell you several stories about how God has been working in, in, in Czech Republic and in our churches uh, so that you can see how differently it looks like in different situations and how, how little sometimes is enough. So about 10 years ago, when we had only one church, uh, we had one teenager. And somebody had a vision for starting a youth group. And they did. They started a youth group. Uh, and now we have more than 40 students that are coming to the youth group every week. And recently, as we were celebrating our 13th anniversary, we baptized one of the students there. And his story is great because in his story, you can see how when God takes your life, how it changes you. So this guy lives in a small village that if you have a car, you know, it's like 15-minute drive from the town where the church is. He's 18, but in Czech, nobody has cars at 18. That's not what we do. Like, I had my first car when I was 27. Uh, so for him, in order to go to church, he has to get up, he has to take a bus to take a train to walk 15 minutes to get to the church every Sunday and every Friday for a youth group. And he does that because he found something in his life that he didn't have before. And the cool thing about this is, is how, how he first came into the church. It was just because his classmate, who is a, she's a daughter of one of our pastors, she told him, why don't you come with me to youth group this Friday? And he came. And it was as easy as that. And I think everybody can do that. Everybody can say, why don't you come with me? This last December, we have baptized two men in one of our churches. And one of them was, is, is a guy who's kind of my age. And uh, uh, I met him for the first time in 1997 when I first became a Christian. I first came to a summer English camp, and he came there too as a non-believer. We were both non-believers. And I became a Christian right after the camp. And he, he would be coming to youth group uh, for maybe a year or two, and then he disappeared for 18 years. And last fall, for some reason, he just showed up in our church. And people, you know, recognized him, people from back then, from the 90s, is that right? <laughs> it's weird to say it. People from the 90s recognized him, and, uh, and they started talking to him, they invited him for coffee, they shared the gospel with him, and in about three weeks, he became a Christian. The other man we baptized was, uh, he's a father of uh, our youth leader. And two years ago, he almost died because he was drinking too much. And he ended up in hospital. And after he got better, he decided to go to rehab. And when he came out of the rehab, his son started to invite him and take care of him. He found him a job, and now he's working for him. And he started to invite him to church. And he started coming, and he started hearing about Jesus, and he became a Christian in about a year. But it was a faithful help of his son that helped his father to come to church. And again, that's not something you need some special skills or talents for. Another story is with one of our potential church plans that we have is Two years ago, I got, a, I got a message from an old classmate of mine who told me this unusual story of four women in this little town that became Christians from Catholic Church by reading their Bibles, just without you know, any contact with Christians. 
And so she told me, like, why don't you, you know, they need your church. They need, they need to be connected to the church. So we started talking to them, and, and, uh, and they all grew up in, in a Catholic church. And, it, and for them, becoming Christians, believing in Jesus and starting to follow him, became a real issue because they live in this Catholic village where probably everybody's Catholic. So the whole life in this village is connected to the church. And now these four women just came out of the church and said, we're going to be following Jesus. So people don't talk to them. They don't invite them to visit anymore because they are not part of the Catholic church anymore. So it became real hard for them. But through these four women, uh, we decided that we need, it became a catalyst for us to start uh, a church in this little town. And it was as easy as reading a Bible for them to become Christians. In Olamot's last fall in our church, in Metro Church, there were two young mothers who were thinking about how they can reach out to their friends who have kids. So the last fall, they started to meet together, and they started to invite others, other moms, to bring their kids. And it started to be a regular thing on every Thursday morning in our office. Now, usually nobody comes to the office on Thursday morning who works there, because there are like 15 kids running there. The last thing I start to do personally is I start to do weddings for my non-Christian friends. And it had opened a, a door for, for me to talk, to talk to them about life and about God. And it's been great. Uh, next Friday, I'm doing one of those weddings. And it is interesting how people in an atheistic country who, are, who don't want to hear about God, but when you start talking about marriage and life, they're very, very open. And so the point of these stories is not to brag about how awesome we are, but to show you that there's no one way to do it. And usually it is just a little thing that will be a very important thing in people's lives. It can be as, as small as saying, why don't you come with me? Or here's the Bible. Why don't you try to read it? And I hope these stories will encourage you to see in your life that this can be happening. And it's probably happening right now in your life somewhere. With your friends, with your family maybe, with your coworkers, with somebody that you can, you can do this little thing. And be a missionary for them. It is interesting. There's a, there's a pastor and author, Tom Mercer, who uh, he's, he's American, but he's been he's been doing ministry around the world for about thirty years now. And he would do these seminars, and he says he always asks people, you know, does a little survey when he's there. Uh, he does a little survey about how people came to church, how how did that happen, right? So he says that it, it's not an official survey, right? But he says that he, he was able to ask about 100,000 Christians in 28 countries in about 50 denominations around the world. And this is what he, uh, what he uh, came out with. He says, how do people uh, become Christians or part of the church? So the people who had special needs and the church helped them was 1 to 3%. So 1 or 3, somewhere in between. Random people walking into the church it was 2 to 4%. This is interesting. Talking with a staff member or a pastor, 0 to 3%. So we're not good in that. Advertising, it's a half to 1%. Sunday school, people coming to a Sunday school class, 4 to 6%. 
street evangelisms, uh, half percent to one percent. All other church programs, two to four percent. And the last one is friend or relative bringing me to church is 75 to 90 percent. It's around the world, still the same. And everybody can do that. It's not really a difficult thing. When we talk about this, though, a lot of people say, but shouldn't we, be, shouldn't be, shouldn't we do it differently? It, it's not fast enough, right? Bringing one person at a time to the church. Shouldn't we do something else? And usually people look back in the history, they look at the first church, you know, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, and they see this explosive growth. And they say, well, we should do it like they did it, right? 5,000 people became Christians, or 3,000 people became Christians. Uh, bringing people one by one, that's not enough. And it's interesting, though, if you look at the first church and somebody asks the question, how did it happen that from 120 people at the beginning of the book of Acts, um, in year 350, about half of the Roman Empire was Christian. So from 120 people in the beginning of the book of Acts to 50% of Roman Empire is Christian in 350. Sociologist of religion Rodney Stark in his book uh, Rise of Christianity, he looked at it and he put it in numbers and he says this. So if we say we had 120 people at the beginning of Book of Acts and in year 312, which is the year when Christianity became official and legal religion in the Roman Empire, there were about 9 million people, 9 million Christians in the Roman Empire. So you go from 120 to 9 million in about 280 years. It looks amazing, right? Well, it is annual growth of 3.4%. If you put it in numbers, 3.4% annually. So I don't know how many people are here. 200, 300. So it's like 10 people every year. 10 new people every year. That's not, I'm not saying it's not a miracle or anything. I'm just saying it's, it's not 3.4. It's not that much. If you look at it. So it, 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 we, it can be done by bringing our friends. It can be done by bringing one person at a time. So the last question is, what can I do then? I think a lot of us, we would like, we, we would, we would like to see miracles happening every day. You know, people being healed from fatal diseases. And then their families and their doctors would be showing up here on Sunday morning just to hear about Jesus because they cannot explain what is happening. It would be wonderful if people were just showing up wanting to hear about God. But I don't know how about here, but we don't see that. So what can we do when we don't see that? I've, uh, recently I came up, uh, I, I found this book which is called Ministry Between Miracles. It was very interesting, just the title of the book and, and, and the, the little annotation that said, what, how do we serve God when we don't see miracles, like in between miracles? When, when miracles happen, big things happen, right? But what do we do in between? Because we don't experience miracles all the time. Because by definition, they're miracles. They're happening not all the time. Because if it would be happening like every day, it would be every day. So what do we do? And some people say, you know, we should just, if there's nothing happening, we, just, we should just wait and pray. 
But that's not how we live our lives. You don't, you don't get up in the morning and start praying for like, God, what, what am I supposed to do today, right? You get up and you go and you go to work and you brush your teeth and eat your food and you do all these things. So what can we do when miracles are not happening, when everyday life is happening? What does it mean to be missionaries? I think we can pray, all of us. We can pray for our friends. If you have a non-believing family, you can pray for them. You have neighbors, you can pray for them. Everybody can do it. We can talk to people. It's not that hard. I mean, for some of us, it's harder than for others, but it's not that hard. We can have friends who are non-Christians, like real friends, not, and I'm trying to convert you friends. You know, when you don't become a Christian in three months, we're not friends anymore. Just the real friends. When, you know, if you, it's okay if you, don't, if you don't want to follow Jesus. I'm still your friend. I'm still going to help you. We're still going to be friends. We can be helping people when they need it. Right? When they come and, and, and they have a problem in life, we can help them. In order to do that, we need to have a margin in our lives. And I think that's a big issue in Czech, and I, I bet it's a big issue here. The truth is people usually don't come with their problems on our schedule. You know, it's not like Wednesday from 4 to 6, I have a, I have a window, so if you have a problem, you can come, right? That's not, it happens on Sunday at 3 a.m. Somebody calls you, he has a problem. And we need to have a margin in life. We can be showing people that Jesus is important for us by obeying him in everyday lives. We can tell people what we did on a weekend. I don't know how about you, but sometimes there's this temptation, right? You come to, you come to work on Monday and people ask you like, what did you do on, on a weekend? And you go like, one Saturday I went fishing, right, with some friends. And then on Sunday I hanged out with some friends. And it's true, we're friends and we're hanging out right now, right? But you can tell them, like, I was in the church and there was this crazy Czech guy telling us that we're all missionaries. Why don't you come with me next week? <laughs> Let's do normal things in life with this intention somewhere in our head that if there's opportunity, we can show who God is in our lives. And everybody can do it. It's not a big thing. You don't need a class for that. You don't need to read a book to do that. Let's be the people who know that Jesus was sent to us because we need Him, right? Without Jesus, we, there's, no, there's no way, there's no hope for us. But also know that we're sent out to people to tell them about this Jesus. And let's not feel guilty today, please. Because I believe that this is happening. You're doing this somehow. Or God is doing this in your life, through you, in, in the schools, in, in your workplace, in your families. This is happening. Sometimes we just don't see it. We just don't see the little things because we want to see the big thing. We want to see the miracle. We want to see the healing or whatever. And we don't see the little things. And so my hope is for you and for me that I would see the little things. I would see the little opportunities to share the gospel or share my life with people. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of who you are, that you're the sent one. You came to save me, but you also sent me out to this world to share the gospel with others. So I pray that I will find ways in my life how to do it, and I pray for all of us here today that we will see 
what you are doing in our lives, and we will see the opportunities you are giving us to share the gospel. Amen.